Are you wondering how to make 40 grand in less than a week on a renovation? On a flip property? Well, that's exactly what this video is about. And stick around till the end because I have a killer power tip for you coming up. My name is Jonathan Barbera and this is my business partner, John Barr. And in this channel, we share with you the tips and strategies to help you invest in real estate the right way. So if this is your first time, consider subscribing. So we got this property uh, a few weeks ago, right? When, when did we get it? We got it from a wholesaler? Yeah, yeah we picked it up uh, about three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. Where, where did you find the wholesaler? Though? Honestly, I don't exactly remember where I found the wholesaler. It was just a number in my phone. At one point they had texted me and I put it in my phone as a wholesaler. I don't know when or where they came from, but I'm assuming it was probably just outward networking, networking. like how we find everybody. Exactly. And it's just kind of Getting out, meeting people, being in the industry, uh, you meet a lot of people along the way. And that, that's really what's funny and the point that I want to make is that a lot of people always ask us, where do you get all your deals from? It's really networking. We're always out, we're always online commenting, networking with people. Back in the day, we used to be at events, networking in person, <laughs> um, but that's where we get all our contacts from and all the people from. Um, so how did the deal come about? The wholesaler reached out to you? randomly texted me that they had this property over on um, this part of town mm -hmm. and um, I, I knew the area, uh, I liked it so I just kind of started running some comps on it stuff like that. You were actually gone when we first started looking at this deal uh, out of town so I was kind of, we were texting back and forth about it mm -hmm. and um, the numbers look good on paper, the pictures and what the wholesaler was telling me sounded good but it's one of those things we always got to trust and verify like alright, usually this price seems too good to be true and usually 9.9 .9 times out of 10, that's the exact case. And, and, that, um, and that's really the point, right? Like how many times do you get a deal from a wholesaler that they tell you, hey, here are the numbers, these are the repairs. We never, and this is not a knock on the wholesaler or anything, but like you can never go off of their repairs because you have your contractors, you have the way that you manage projects, they're all different. You understand when people ask us how much does it cost us to renovate a 1500 square foot home, there is no clear answer on that because you don't have my contractors. You don't manage the projects how we manage them. You don't source the materials how we source them. So you can't go off those numbers. Well, and you also have uh, the COVID prices right now where lumber and all materials have gone up 170%. Like, well, a wholesaler isn't in the business of renovating. They're in the business of wholesaling, buying a house. They're, they're moving paper. They're signing, closing, selling houses. They're not doing the renovations. They have no idea. They can take a rough guess at what something's gonna cost based on doing Google searches and stuff, but how much does it take to paint, renovate a house? But right. then it's also, we would have redone this kitchen. It's like, well, we ripped these things down, the floors look good, but all of a sudden I take the cabinets out and the new layout doesn't make sense, and the tile was up to the cabinets, not underneath the cabinets, which now means I gotta tear up this tile floor. That's cost that they don't take into consideration as just because, not to knock on them, it's like, but they haven't done the renovations. They haven't gone through 15, 20, 30 properties to know exactly what those things are and what the unknowns could be and a budget for that. They just say, oh, a roof, uh, some paint, the kitchen's in good enough condition, you can just paint the cabinets, I mean, 15 grand, and you should be good. But really, it's like, mm, no. This level of price point, where the market is, things are sitting, it's like I can't get away with doing that kind of rehab to get to that high a price. So always verify the numbers yourself with things that you know for a fact. Get your own contractors, get your own bids, price out the material, your numbers, all right? Don't go off of anybody else's numbers. So this project, when it was brought to us, we ran the concert, ran everything, and when, when I came to look at it with John, 
I didn't like it. I didn't like the project. Because to me, it was very tight numbers. Funny feeling in your stomach. Yeah, it's that little funny feeling in your stomach. And they wanted 155 at the time. And the numbers were really tight. Mm, they wanted 160. 160. That so it, it, the numbers were really tight and we were looking at ARVs of about 240. So we were just, luckily we've been having a really good year. So we didn't really need to take on this level of risk or this project, which was going to take up time and everything on the rehab because we, we've had a good year. So we're like, you know, let, we'd rather focus on the stuff that's actually growing our business right now because we don't have to be scrounging for these kind of deals. And John was more, he really wanted the deal, but we have an agreement between us where it's like, if one of us doesn't agree with the other, then it's a no deal. Like we both need to be on board, right? So I wasn't really on board. He was, he wasn't a hundred percent, but he, he liked it. So we're like, all right, screw it. Let's just pass on. But we still submitted an offer. So what was the offer we submitted them? Like one. Well, originally we said one fifty-five, and then they they came down close to it. And after you walked it, you're like, yeah. ah, man, I really don't know about one fifty-five. And he felt more comfortable at one fifty. So obviously, if I had thought one fifty-five was good, one fifty would work anyways. So we kind of walked this house, and then went and walked some of the comps that were in the area. Being an agent, we can get into a lot of houses. So I went and walked and see like what our competition level was. And there just so happened to be a house, basically catty corner to this one, that was wasn't updated, but it was clean to where you could tell that somebody probably bought this house, lived it their entire lives and took good care of the house. It was just extremely dated, moved out. And that was our really our comp. But at that time, we didn't know what it was going to sell at. And we could see that it was pending on the MLS, which means it had a contract. It was through the option period and somebody was already determined to close on a set price. We just don't know what that price was until the property actually closed. It was listed for 240. But is it going to close at 220? Is it going to close at 210? We had no idea. But I went ahead and called that agent and asked and said, "Hey, what's are you guys going to close near uh, uh, offer price or your your list price?" And that's when they told. They usually won't tell you exactly what the number is, but they'll say, "Yes, we're very close to list, or we're above list, or we're somewhere there." And they told us that they're very close to list. Now that gave us confidence seeing that house to do what the whole premise of the story of how we made how much we did in such a little amount of time is because that house was clean nicely or just dated and it was closing at that two around that two hundred forty thousand dollar price point and it was very comparable to this one as far as size so that's kind of how the, the, we got to being all right let's take a shot at this and see where it and, and really at the time like what what got me over the that little hump was more of I'm not superstitious, but when something comes back to you, you know, because we we put it off like, ah, here's the offer. The wholesaler well, rejected it. it. Then we lowered it to 150. Yeah. Would you feel more confident at that 150? And we submitted the offer to the wholesaler, saying, look, things change after walking it, looking at some comps. Yeah. Like 155 is too high. We'll do 150. And and he re they rejected it. They said they they didn't even have it that low. So we just let it go. But then. A week or so later, the wholesaler came back to us at what was his counter? 152. 152, I believe. Is yeah. Right so he back. came back at 152, and I was still kind of on the edge. So when he came back, I was like, all right, screw it. Let's just do it. Because there was something inside of me like saying, like, ah, I don't know. Let's just give it a shot. And what we were thinking is that house does have better curve appeal than this one. That house did have a better yard than this and one. It does. was it was cleaner on the yeah. inside than this one for sure. Right, but so, it was, still was very dated. Yeah, it was dated, but it, it still had some features that, in my opinion, that it put it a little bit above this one. So we're like, all right, let's do the bare minimum, the bare minimum that we have to do to this house 
to just clean it up and put it on the market, right? And let's see what kind of feedback we get well, from also people. The, the one really started just putting on the market to see what happened is also there's a seasoning period to where San Antonio has a lot of FHA buyers and they have FHA has a guideline of like they call it like the anti-flipping rule to where we have to own the house for 90 days before we can contract to sell the property with somebody getting FHA financing. Well looking at this house it's like we only need maybe five six weeks to do the renovation. I don't need 12. So what a lot of times what we'll do is if a house is clean enough is like we'll price it just below market put it on the market and see if somebody else wants to come buy the house out or go buy it and take the renovations on themselves. So that's kind of what we did. So we accomplished two things. We put it on the market to see if somebody wants to buy the house from us at that price and we just kind of make a decision at that time like hey, clean our hands, walk away and move on to the next one. But it also starts counting those days for we actually own the house. So instead of just sitting here vacant, nothing happening, we might as well just put it on the market and see if somebody else is coming one to buy the property and do the renovation themselves. We're kind of one of your um, DIY homeowners are like, hey, I want to kind of clean canvas. I want to do the renovations myself the way I like it. So we get those two things accomplished by putting on the market. And that's kind of how this strategy first started for us. Yeah, and the, so originally what we were thinking is if we had to take it down and actually do a full renovation or the renovation to get it to that ARV, we were needing to come in, do the roof. We needed to do paint interior, exterior, the flooring, the kitchen, as you guys can see, the cabinets, you know, as you, as you can see right now, you can see the landscaping. We were gonna do a, a nice little rock formation where they used to have a pool. So we were gonna fix that whole section up. Um, we were gonna maybe see how the bathrooms cleaned up and possibly redo the bathrooms as well. What, what am I missing? What else? Oh, we had to do some stuff to this back room over here. There's some uh, uncounted square footage back there that we were so, able to convert. Huge tip here. Hold on. Huge tip. The wholesaler, when they brought us the house, was originally 1,500 square feet. 1,500 square feet. Yeah. So square footage affects greatly the price of your house, right? And and all of you watching understand that the bigger the house, the more it's gonna uh, cost, right? So when we came in, and John had already told me, he says they have a utility room that's not accounted for because it doesn't have an AC duct. So by not having an AC duct, it's not livable space. It's not considered conditioned space. Exactly. But it had the walls, it had an exterior door, it just needed an air conditioning duct. So one thing we did, um, and we had the room for it. To yeah, drop. We, had the, we had the room, we had the duct, we could drop an AC duct, change out the uh, exterior door to get some light in there to make it look a more, little more appealing. It was in poor condition, so we had to kind of tape, float, texture, paint it, put some new flooring down uh, to make it look a little more appealing to the eye. But uh, that was something that we knew we had that extra square footage hidden here that would bump our ARV that somebody else might not have known just like looking at the paper of it or somebody new not knowing that they could do that to increase the value. And a lot of times it's not even the bump of ARV, but just the, the speed of sale of saying, hey, I'm putting a bigger house for a cheaper price, right? So now you're, buy, you're getting essentially a much bigger house, even though it's the same house as it was before. All we did was just drop an AC duct, but it's now considered livable space. So it's a bigger house, for the same price or less than another one. So that gives you that added value of you getting a much better deal. So that was a huge perk that we were looking at when we were doing this. So it was all of that work 
And really, that was the stuff that kind of worried me is that when you're ripping out cabinets and you're doing all these things, there's a lot of times you start ripping them out and you see, man, you know, maybe the, pl the plumbing is bad now or the electrical wasn't done right or this, and you start getting these added costs because the more you do to a renovation, the more you start taking out and stuff, that's how you can get the cost going up more and more because you start pretty much exposing a lot of things. We wanted to scrape the popcorn ceiling. A lot of times what happens is you start scraping and the popcorn doesn't come out very well or it starts damaging the ceiling so then you have sheetrock damage. So I mean, it's a lot of unknowns when you start taking on a project of that size. Which is why we were like, all right, what is the bare minimum that we need to do where it would still qualify for financing? That's the biggest key here because that's your biggest buyer pool is the financing route. So out of everything, we decided to do the roof because the roof was just shot, do the AC duct, and then we did some minor tweaks inside with the cabinet. Yeah, we, we cleaned up, we converted, went ahead and converted this utility room to get that additional square footage so we knew we'd need that come towards appraisal time. Uh, then we did some work in the kitchen to kind of redo a bottom of the cabinet that was kind of destroyed, kind of adjust some cabinet uh, faces to make them uh, function a little better. Did the roof, cleaned up the backyard because it was, severely overgrown yeah. so we tore all that stuff out cleaned everything up and then we just did a good deep clean of the entire house to get all the dirt and grime and the bathrooms uh, there's a lot of leftover hairspray and dirt all over the tile scrub all that stuff out and then we went ahead and um, power washed the driveway to make give it a little better curb appeal and uh, I think that was that's a lot of the main yeah. stuff and the really thing. the biggest thing that you want to keep in mind being that you're selling to a retail buyer is that when you want to go through the house saying, okay, can the buyer move in and start living here tomorrow, right? Because if the answer is yes, then you're good, right? It will qualify for financing and somebody can live here. So that's what matters. So that's what we were looking at. So when the cabinet doors were kind of crooked and not really swinging right, all those things, we wanted to make things functional so a buyer can move in, even though they want to renovate it, but they can still live here until they decide to do so. So we had some wood boards that were coming up in one of the bedrooms and we went ahead, we left, they were loose, so we lifted them up, we cleaned them up, we put new glue, put them down right. So if they didn't want to do anything, they didn't have to. Everything was still functional and they can still move in. So we went ahead and that took about a week and after doing that, we did that little bit of work and we put the house on the market Friday morning, right? And yeah, that, yeah, because it was, it was right after with this we this coffee with the We bought it on a Tuesday. We got all the work done that following within that next week. Got the pictures taken, got them back, got on the market that uh, Friday. And how quickly was it? Uh, I mean, within the first hour, I had somebody that was like, I'm on the way to the house right now. I, I know the area. And they were just gung ho about it. They were going above and beyond. This agent was going above and beyond for her client, telling me the process they've gone through to try to find a house. They've been outbid a couple different times. Um, and they wanted to come see the house. And I called her and gave her a pre-warning. It's like, hey, just to let you know, it, it needs some TLC. I was like, all the big stuff is taken care of, but like your paint, uh, the cabinets aren't in the best conditions. Like, you let your client know it needs some work. But I did discount the price accordingly to the amount of work that needed. Where we were looking at 240, if it was cleaned up, I, we went ahead and listed it at 210. As our, yeah, just a dollar under 210. It's like. No, there's a price difference. She goes, okay, that makes sense because I knew the area. I saw the pictures. 
I knew that area is probably a little more than the 210 you're asking, but that makes sense why. But she appreciated it. They came, take a look at it, and they had an offer to me within so, like the first night. And, and that's really key right there, right? That, that is something that you need to understand why we work so well is the fact that John as an agent, he takes the time to educate the other agents and set expectations correctly. Because when you're just kind of, I don't, I don't want this to offend anybody, but when you're like a thirsty agent that just goes for stuff, and you didn't disclose these things, all you're doing is wasting everybody's time. So we told people, this house does need work. We're setting expectations low already. We're saying it needs work, it needs updating. You understand? Yes, it's livable, but you need to put in some work. So when you do that, you they set the expectations to their buyers, so then it's not a shock when they show up. They're expecting a house that needs work. And now here's a good kind of like psychological trick that works. When you tell a future homeowner that a house needs work, they're picturing the worst case scenario, all right? Because they don't look at a house how we look at a house. We look at a house like this, we're like, this doesn't need anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like cosmetic. But a homeowner, everything is a big deal because they don't have the contractors, they don't have the experience. So having to redo the floors or replace the cabinets or you know scrape the popcorn ceiling, to them it's like, oh man, that's probably gonna cost like, $10,000 just to do the ceilings, right? Like they, they always overshoot and overcorrect so many things. So when you're already setting that expectation and they show up and they see a house like this, they're like, oh man, this house is beautiful, right? Like there's no big deal. And, and again, like I said at the beginning, we're gonna share a power tip with you towards the end of the biggest reason why this house sold. But when they came over, they, the person like that and everything submitted an offer that same day, that Friday, we had a full price offer. Um, there was a little bit of negotiation back and forth. Yeah, there was uh, a contingency. Well, not a contingency. They just wanted some concessions, and they kind of they wanted full price concessions, concessions uh, of a couple of grand. I came back said full price, add the concessions to the sales price, and then you can have those full concessions. And they came back said yes, we're good with it. They'll go ahead and execute on the option. Yeah, so, and a lot of times with the concession, it's not that they want to beat you down on the price; it's that they want that money. So if you just negotiate with them and you tell them, all right, that's fine. We wanted, you know, 2099, let's make it 212 and you can get that money back. They don't care because the loan is the same to them, right? They're just getting it from the loan. You're just borrowing that cheap, that's a way to get cheaper, and especially when you know you're doing a renovation, they were doing a renovation. It's a cheap way to borrow money tied into your real estate value. It's the cheapest right. money you're probably gonna get for construction renovations. Exactly, so, so, so that always works. Um, so we got that, then inspection was held Wednesday, which was crazy fast, right? I, I've been talking to a lot of people that inspections have been taking some time. Uh, the inspection was Wednesday, and we were kind of like, alright, here we go. Because, I mean, to be honest, every project that we've done, it's like $50,000, $60,000 renovation and up. Um, you know, it, it, it's always been a, a project. So this is the really one of the few projects that we've taken on that's been just like, you know, one, two, three, and just moving on. So we were anticipating something coming back with the inspection. And what was it? Yeah, you called me and you're like, well, the, the inspection report. <laughs> well, but they, it wasn't anything they didn't already yeah. expect and anticipate. So I told them there's going to be a project. We had uh, other offers come in over the weekend, even though we already accepted this one. So I told the lady up front, it's like, hey, you guys weren't the only offer, so there's not gonna be a whole lot. If you guys don't want the house, let me know because I got a backup offer. And it was very, it was true, we did. Yeah. Uh, and I'm letting her know that. It's like, cause she was very appreciative of how we worked. I worked with her that first day to get her client's offer in here. She says, don't worry, if they don't like something, 
I'll let you know right away. And I asked her on Wednesday, and she said, oh, there's, there wasn't anything in the inspection period, or the inspection they didn't already anticipate. So they were good with that. They came through and did their termite inspection. No, no real problems there. Um, and so they said, hey, we're good, good to go to proceed. They're ordering the appraisal. So they're yep. ordering the appraisal, uh, and we're on the way to closing. Yep. So that's how fast it was. So now, the power tip that I told you about. What made this possible is the market that we're in. None of this stuff was done by guessing, all right? We did not guess this was gonna work out. This is not a strategy we would have typically done pre-COVID. We, would, we wouldn't have done this if this was our only exit. Oh, well, that, that's 1,000%. This yeah. just happened to work out because of the perfect storm of the market we were in, and we knew that there's extremely low inventory, and it's a very hot market, people were crawling over each other for houses. And we knew this one could qualify for financing, get a little cleaned up, and somebody might come along. But our end goal was always, if this doesn't work, we're gonna flip the house. That was what we were anticipating, but said this might also work if we go this route. Yeah, we, we always have more than one exit strategy with every deal. Like, you don't wanna go into a deal that it's only going to work with this if everything works out perfectly, because now you're setting yourself up, that's just gambling. You're setting yourself up for something that, you know, if anything goes wrong, now you're definitely screwed. So this one, we said, worst case scenario, we'll do what we typically do, flip it, and you know, we'll make some money that way as well. It wasn't gonna be, you know, pennies, but it, it was gonna be a good amount of money, but it wasn't gonna be as simple or as quick and as low risk as this was gonna be. So when we ran the comps and we ran everything, this is located in a part of town where a lot of people wanna live, because you're right there from, you know, one of the major highways of 410, you're right in between t uh, I-10, 281. You're very centrally located by the medical center. By the medical center. I mean, you're you're in a spot that a lot of people want to be in. So low inventory. Nobody's here. Low interest rates. So now people can afford more, right? But the purchasing power has gone up. So all of this perfect storm comes together. We know we have an oversupply of buyers in the market. So we took a very calculated gamble on this where we knew that it's like, we put the price at 210 and we were happy to get a price at what, 200? 200, 200 yeah. So somebody offers 200 around that price, we'll probably go with it, seeing where everything's at because in this COVID era, like prices went up, but it's also like uh, at any minute, this stuff could, buyers could turn off lending or a bank could turn off lending and the buyers disappear. Something could spook them and they could all go away to where very cautious of what we're trying to buy right now because if I, we would have bought it, had to wait 90 days to list it, we're in now into winter time. Exactly. We, if there's another wave come along, things yeah. change so fast, it's like that was a big risk. That's why we went ahead and listed it and took the- Well, winter times is usually, you know, you have a slower market, people are not uh, out there shopping as much. This winter might be different, but you just don't know. If we would have taken on a full renovation, now you add a whole different set of variables that you did not account for initially, because now you're adding more time, more work, more money being spent. And essentially the profit probably would have came out to about the same, maybe a little less if we would have flipped it. This way, we're walking away with nearly $40,000 in less than a week with virtually very little risk, very little capital invested in the property and really fast. So that was the biggest thing. And, and I hope this power tip really resonates with you guys. And again, it's, it's the facts. It's not opinion and it's not emotions. It's not what we want. We look at what the market is doing. What is the data showing us? And that's where we invest in. We always go off the data. We don't assume anything and we never use our opinions. 
So I hope you guys really enjoyed this video and the walkthrough that we did and you saw all the work that we did. And again, if you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe and check out this video right here for more videos and more training on the stuff that we're doing and the work that we're doing here. And share this with friends, family, everybody needs to know about real estate. Smash that like button. Smash that like button. <laughs> so thank you guys for watching and we'll catch you on the next one.